Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 152, week 152, volume 152, number fucking 152. Hey, going guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Matt of Purgatory, and that will be coming up later in the show. Start off with a bit of feedback, bit of questions, bit of what's been going on. The main thing, the main point this week is single of the week and album of the week will be coming back after lots of demand. That's going to start again from next week. So if there's a single of the week or an album of the week that you think needs to get mentioned, get in touch, tag us, message us, inbox us, whatever it is. We are bringing back, as I said, single of the week and album of the week from next week. Apart from that, just the usual guys, help us out with a bit of sharing on your social medias. Spread the word, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Enough of the ramblings, enough of the jibber-jabber. Let's kick into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down with Matt of Purgatory. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So for the unaware, who are Purgatory? Simply put, it's metallic hardcore. It is straight to your face, musically and lyrically. They formed around 2011, two EPs and two LPs to their name. And they are about to release another album. It's titled Lawless to the Grave. That comes out April 9th on Unbeaten Records. It's a great chat, it's in-depth, touches on some different points than you're probably expecting, but quality, quality conversation with Matt. That chat with Matt is coming up now. Everyone gets kind of the same question to start off with, and it's basically not a heavy band, but do you remember a band as a kid that helped you discover that music was something that existed? Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm gonna be 35 in August. So um, I I grew up with my parents just listening to a lot of classic rock, and then we had a, a radio station in my hometown that I'm from, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It was called The Crow, and they they played a lot of classic rock. And then also at that time, it would have been like early 90s rock, I guess you could say, and alternative music, like Alice in Chains and stuff like that, but as far as, like, an individual band, not, I don't really remember. Um, My dad used to do this thing where when we would listen to the radio, since my, he, he knows, like, every band from the 60s, 70s, 80s, even a lot of the 90s bands and knows facts about them. So when, we, when a song would come on the radio, you know, he'd quiz me and say, who is this? Who's the singer for this band? And But I, I have very early memories of listening to like ACDC and Metallica. So I was into heavier music like right off the bat, to be honest. Mm. And over time, I mean, that just kind of, grew into the the typical stuff that kids listen to at my age like that was when new metal was becoming like a thing so corn and like slipknot and things like that um 
Yeah, honestly, I would say probably ACDC. My my dad and my uncle listen to ACDC all the time, and that's that's a band that will just always stick in my head. They, I mean, I can remember being a kid and just seeing them just wear out the the back and back and black tape. They went through so many cassette tapes because they would just listen to that so much. So that's that's a band that I remember from a very young age being into, and it kind of. It just kind of set the bar. It was a precedence for paving the way for the rest of my life, basically. Um, I didn't hear that for the first time and be like, whoa, like, what is this? I, I heard it in a very normal, regular surrounding and setting. So that that kind of heavier music was just normal to me growing up. So when when was the band or what, who was the band that kind of really made you sit up and say, yeah, I'm I'm all about this. This is this is my shit. And I will I will never ever forget in fifth grade. Like I said, I listened to a lot of the typical new metal stuff that other people did, like corn and bands like that. But there was a kid that I went to school with who had two older brothers that listened to a lot of death metal. But they they gave me the Deicide self titled CD when I was only in fifth grade. And I remember putting that in my CD player and I, I could not believe what was coming out of the speakers. Like if you're not familiar with the aside, they are just one of the hardest death metal bands of all time. Glenn Benton's voice is ridiculous. The guitar playing is so fast and just so heavy. And that I remember that CD. I was like, I need more of this. I don't understand what, is being played right now, but I need more. And that kind of turned into me finding out about Cannibal Corpse. So I actually, like, I got exposed to death metal at a super young age, which paved the way for me actually finding punk and hardcore through that. It's quite a quite a time to be doing that, too, because, you know, I'm only a couple of years older, so I remember that new metal was everywhere, and you couldn't avoid it. Um, and you know, we were all guilty of it at that time, enjoying it, but to switch gears to death metal is a a big switch. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy. It wasn't like the, it wasn't like it completely took over my life and it's all that I listened to. Cause I mean, I still like corn. I still like Slipknot. Um, anybody that says that they genuinely like Limp Bizkit that's older than the age of 13, I think that they're probably lying, <laughs> but <laughs> there's a, there's some of those, those new metal bands from back then that I, I still enjoy. I still think that they're really good and they still play actually like an active part in my musical taste. And even like who we are as a band, I'm sorry, but you just, you, it's undeniable that the self-titled Slipknot CD is it's on par with being just some of the craziest hardest music that i've ever heard yeah like they their gimmick and stuff like was definitely very corny we'll just be honest it's it's definitely corny you know just in like clowns and things like that but those guys were fucking nuts like Mm -hmm. doing crazy stuff and the music matched it and that that was a game changer too you can't i i don't really care who you are like even if you're not in to it you at least have to respect it because nobody did that before mm, mm. yeah and and it is like you said like i mean 
I think that was the time where people didn't want to admit, but probably that album not only sonically is impressive and still to this day, but that, that image they did, while it was quite silly, it did give them the step up that probably a lot of other bands were a bit envious of. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Like, I would say a lot of a lot of bands back then were kind of just more about having like a a stage show and Slipknot took the theatrics of it and made it very like physical and introduced this whole world of I mean just violence into it even even through just the actual music like their music is violent and then mm. the things that they did to each other and themselves on stage it just brought it to another level do i think every band should be doing that no of course not but they they did something that other people weren't doing at least not to that degree and i mean you got to respect them for it so you start um discovering you know death metal um and i'm the same as you that album by deicide is just like still to this day so you you start getting into death metal and you know some would say the extreme side of heavy music and is this when you start becoming a bit of a sponge for music? Do you just start, you know, deep diving into discographies? Like, how do you, from that point, even discover other bands? Like, what were you like as a kid with discovering music? Um, a lot of it, you know, like I said, a lot of it had to do with the radio. So it wasn't like I was totally listening to, like, just quote-unquote underground stuff. Because even though Deicide was a big band for us kids that would i mean that would be technically underground music but <clears throat> two things my dad taking me to the cd shop when i was a kid this place called last stop cd shop and just sitting rifling through cds and anything that looked you know slightly edgy at all whether it had skulls on the cover or a name that like a tough or scary name or that the imagery because obviously deicide their imagery was very very anti-christian and that's i grew up in a christian household but i'm not a christian so that was always like ooh, i shouldn't be looking at this but i'm going to um so seeing things like that and just like being infatuated with that and then also like hearing little things on the radio like danzig um i found out about danzig from the radio so I go to the CD store and want his CDs. But a lot of these bands, you know, you, you take something home, you end up liking it. And then when you're flipping through the CD booklet, because that's that was a thing back then. And I wish it was still that way now. You you go on the back and this ba- the, the band that you're listening to is listening to all these other bands that they're either friends with or that were influences. And it's like, oh, you know, if these guys like these bands, then I should check these bands out as well. You know, so whether whether it was a cassette tape or a CD, you there's something in those those band listings that catches your eye and you want to go listen to it. So, you know, it was really just rifling through CDs. And I was always into like extreme stuff when I was a kid. I mean, sports, too. So going going to a CD store and seeing like an X game sampler because I loved X game stuff when I was a kid. And there would be, you know, one or two bands on that that were awesome. And it, that's that just kind of opened the door to, like, finding other things. So, really, it was it was discovering, discovering bands through other bands. Because it makes sense. If a band that I like likes them, well, these bands must be cool, too. 
Mm. It was. And, and like you said, I missed that too, unfortunately. It's become a bit of a, a dying thing. So I want to. you mentioned in there, you know, you're not a man of beliefs, but you grew up in a house of belief. And what was that like with your music taste? I mean, were you being told not to listen to this stuff? Um, and also a second part of the question is, apart from like how you mentioned your dad and stuff used to wear out the tapes of ACDC, was music bigger in the house like were there people playing instruments in your family uh no no instrument playing in the family my mom was a. Uh, I know she she when she was younger she sang with like her church choir I'm, I'm pretty sure and so she I do kind of distinctly remember her having a pretty good singing voice when I was growing up but she I mean she listened to uh what is her name the the lady like Celine Dion and things like that, you know, like she, she listened to pretty standard music that a household mom would listen to. Um, but no, nobody played any instruments in the, in the family. But if my, my dad is, is a very, my mom and dad are both big supporters of the band. My, my dad is understands a little more than I think my mom does. Uh, so they're definitely going to listen to this and my mom is probably going to kill my dad when she finds us out. But <laughs> when he would take me to the CD store and there would be something that I shouldn't necessarily have, he would go through and, you know, he would read the CD booklet on it and kind of say like, I don't really approve of you having this. Just don't let your mom find out, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So there was, I had a lot of, a lot of hidden things, whether it was, cds or he gave me this briefcase when i was younger that was full of cassette tapes and you know van halen and motley Crue and all that kind of stuff and they were singing about things and those songs as well that were definitely inappropriate for a child it just wasn't sang like a metal band would sing it mm-hmm. um you know i would he was okay with with me listening to that stuff because it's what he listened to I know he wasn't necessarily stoked on some of the bands that I was finding out about, but he, my dad loves music and I, I, I discovered a lot of bands through him, especially when Napster came out, when Napster was first a thing, which I'll get into in a second, but music in the, in the household, um, some, something was always playing. The radio was always on. Uh, I would say that, musical styles my dad still listened to a lot of classic rock my mom listened to some classic rock you know she was into Fleetwood Mac and things like that uh, but also like I don't know Ace of Bass or like you know some <laughs> some stuff like that that was popular when we were kids and you know I got a I have a, a younger sister and an older brother I have two younger sisters but the one wasn't born yet and they you know, they listened to me and my brother had when we were younger, we had similar music tastes. He listened to a lot of classic rock. Nowadays, we don't. But my sister was into Britney Spears and NSYNC and all the, the typical stuff that girls were into. So that's kind of kind of how it was around our whole household. It was a little a little chaotic, but usually my dad was listening to the radio or tapes. And I don't know if you remember uh, and I don't know if it was this way over there, but a lot of the the big, big, big record labels like Columbia and stuff like that, they used to send those mail orders where you could order like 
10 CDs for 20 bucks or whatever. And you just go through this booklet and mark off whatever CDs you want. And then you mail it back. And that's how we got a lot of music into our household. Cause my parents were doing that mail order thing for years, definitely getting ripped off. Like when you look back at it in hindsight, you were paying for a subscription and paying way too much money for these. But at the time, like you don't think about that kind of stuff, but I got Pantera uh, reinventing the steel through that. I remember that very specifically, you know, my dad would get like the Eagles or uh, Boston or something like that. My mom would get her, her CDs. Um, so yeah, there was constantly just music coming into my household. So when was the moment or can you think of a moment when it went from being something you were enjoying and were loving to being something that you wanted to pursue and chase as in a dream? Because there's quite a, quite a difference between just loving and being obsessed with music and then wanting to try and like chase a dream of music. Right. Um, I would say wanting to seriously pursue it probably when I was, when I was still living in South Dakota, there was, there was a bigger band from there at the time. Um, they were, they were a band called Nodes of Ranbir and oh, yep, yep. they were on, mm-hmm. you remember that band? Oh yeah. Yeah. They were a Christian metalcore, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So, and these guys might listen to this too. Uh, definitely were not Christians, but really, um, yeah, I mean, some of them were, but I, I don't care if they hear this or not. Like, not everybody in that band was a Christian, and I think that's eventually why they they got off of Face Down and went with Victory. But there's a, there's a lot of bands from around that time that definitely were not Christian bands, like Zayo and mm. bands like that. Mm. You you can call yourself a Christian man if you want, but you weren't. Mm. Uh, but I I grew up when I was a teenager, kind of going to their shows and one of the guys in the band his younger twin brothers um these guys ben and brady i went to high school with them and became very good friends with them so we were all just going to shows together and when you're a teenager you get that that spark inside of you where you want to start a band too and i ended up i did start a, a, a local band with some friends uh at the time we were called bench press uh and that the bench press became a, another band by some uh, that somebody else started that became way more popular than my band was. Uh, so there was two there was two bench presses, but we we kind of had a little bit of like a, a cult following in, in Sioux Falls just because we were like a I guess you could call it, we were basically like a metalcore band or like a metallic hardcore band with like random kind of almost like almost borderline beat down parts not not totally though we were listening to a lot of uh like two pure to die and mm-hmm. x tyrant x and bands like that so it was like it's a hardcore band but ours had like slight metalcore influences but it was all about like tough guy shit back then mm-hmm. and we we got popular throughout the state i guess you could say because i mean in like 2004 2005 that kind of music was was very popular everybody was into the tough guy thing and that just being able to go places and have people like my band at a young age and like 
kind of have this, like I said, there was a little bit of a cult following because everybody just wanted to see what kind of crazy stuff was going to happen. Like shows would, you know, there'd be fights at shows when we play and in Sioux Falls that like wasn't a a thing that happened all of the time just because of the type of scene that it was. A lot of screamo bands and things like that. But just that excitement made me be like, okay, like, I want to play shows. I love playing shows. And then my friends are also in this band, uh, Nodes, and they're going on tour all over the world with bands I love, like Terror and Bury Your Dead and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I want to do what they're doing, you know? So that was where definitely where the initial spark came from, just being a teenager and being in my stupid local band where I thought we were cool and we probably definitely were not. <laughs> but... <laughs> you know you you have when you when everybody else is is around your age and you're all just is excited on local music um it's it's exciting and and you sit there and you go like i i want to keep doing this i want to do this as long as i can this is what i want to this is what i want to do so obviously you know you mentioned in there you know you see see bands like nodes doing things and you know you're in the local scene but, you know, was it a pretty vibrant local scene? Like, were, were gigs on often? And also, apart from nodes, was there a lot of examples of you that you could see where you could branch out and make it in some shape or form? In Sioux Falls alone... Um... I mean, surprisingly, we did have a very, very, like, booming, active scene when I was younger. Like I said, there was a lot of screamo bands, um, which was fine. Like, some of that stuff is cool. I don't I don't necessarily, like, dislike it or hate any of it. And then you had, like, our group of friends that were in bands that were trying to sound very similar to nodes like that. And there was, I mean, there were shows every weekend, and... The Spill, there's a band called The Spill Canvas that's also from Sioux Falls, and they were a huge band as well. And some of the guys from The Spill Canvas used to play in nodes. So, like, there was a lot of mixed bill stuff happening. Like, and there's a, it's an old, old building in Sioux Falls. It's called the Washington Pavilion. And they have, like, big, like, concerts in there. Like, it's, it's almost like a concert hall, you know, like, there's there's rooms that have seating and like a full amphitheater and then there's other just big empty rooms but the acoustics in there were crazy but i mean like bleeding through and martyr ad and bands like that would come through and like like i said bury your dad and stuff and you would have a few hundred kids at these shows and i wouldn't consider our scene to be very big it was just so incredibly intertwined at that time where all of these different kinds of bands were playing together. So there was, there'd be a pop punk band, then like a screamo or a metalcore band, then like a hardcore band. And then like, you know, maybe like an emo band. So it was like these crazy mixed bills, but everybody kind of knew each other to a degree and not everybody get along. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that it was like always, smooth sailing but there was a a good period of time there where i mean our scene was was hopping for quite a few years you could go to a show any given show basically and there would be 
a minimum of like 40 kids there. Mm. And that's it for, for the town that I'm from. That's even, even to, in today's standards, if you, if you go play a random show and there's 40 kids there, that that's all right. There's nothing mm. wrong with that. Yeah. It can, um, it can be very hard for bands to, to reach, have that amount. You mean there's some to tours and local shows where it's literally just the band and the other bands and their girlfriends, you know, so it doesn't yeah. really count. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've been to those shows and I played those shows too. Um, and it's, so when you, when you have everybody that's just very, very excited about music and all they want to do is go to shows. I mean, there was a million places to book shows. There was a million bands to ask to play. And obviously that changed over time and, and went away. A lot of people either dropped out or their bands broke up or they just switched genres altogether. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was a cool thing about Sioux Falls. Like I saw, I saw a lot of the bands that I wanted to see, but at the same time though, the type of hardcore that I was into, I usually had to travel to Minneapolis or Des Moines in order to see those bands. And that was a four or four and a half hour drive. Mm. So I was traveling for a while there more than I was going to local shows because the bands, the bands that I was very, very into, they weren't going to come through Sioux Falls. And that's just, that was just it at the end of the day. So what about, you know, you're saying this is around 2004 or five ish. Yeah. What were you, what were you focusing only on music or did you have a path at high school? Because we're, we're talking at a time that you're at an age where people are telling you, you need to have a career. So are you, are you looking at something to do with music as well? Or are you only focused on music? No, um, my, I just going to shows was just, uh, you know, it was a thing that I did and my, and the band that I was in, I didn't see it like taking me anywhere necessarily. I didn't, think that far into the future but i also had i had no plans or desire to go to college at all um i i became a welder right out of high school i graduated when i was 17 and i i pretty much screwed off for most of the summer until i turned 18 and then i went and got a job as a welder so i went straight into basically a a career right out of high school And again, at that time, it wasn't like I didn't go be a welder because I wanted it to be my career. I was like, I love welding. I was good at welding. Uh, I knew how much money I could make doing it. So I just went and got a job as a welder. And you're touching base on what you said. A a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a great career to have. That's a great career. But I'm I'm 18 years old. I was like, I want to. I want to hang out with my friends and hang out with my girlfriend. And I, I want to go to shows. Um, not, not necessarily like focusing on starting a band to make it big. I just wanted to be a kid. Mm. So, I mean, long story short that that job ended up not working out after a while because I was, I was getting in trouble and not focusing on it like a career path because I just, I didn't want, a career that was the last thing that was on my mind. Yeah, and that's that's also, you know, like you said, at that age, the stark reality of being in one job for the rest of your life, you know, I, I give anyone 
you know, a tap on the back if you can actually admit that that's what you want to do at that age, just stick to that one job for 50 years. You know, I, I personally couldn't. I went through a lot of phases. And it's just kind of natural, I think, to, you know, drop in and out of career paths until you, you know, find what makes you happy. And obviously, for you, eventually, music is what really made you happy. Yeah, that's, yeah, and that's that's why my life is primarily centered around it and I still have no desire for a specific career path um you know I'm a the line of work that I do right now I'm I'm a foreman at my job and I guess you could say I have a a bit of a position but I'm constantly at odds because if we get offered a tour and I want to go on tour I want to be able to go on tour you know and I I do have like my parents kind of stopped but I at one point they were like, well, how long are you going to do this? You know, that's a standard question that every single quote unquote musician gets is how long do you see yourself doing this? I have no idea. I'll do this until I can't walk anymore. You know, like I'll do this until I'm 85 years old. If I'm still able to get up on stage and sing, then I'll, there's, there's no end game with this. I feel like if you, if you're involved in hardcore and you have an end game, I, I don't really think that you're involved in it for the right reasons. You're looking at it almost from a, a, a beneficial perspective, like mm-hmm. where, how far can this get me? What can this do for me? How can I succeed from this and make a profession out of this? And that, that just kind of turns everything into big business. And if that's the case, like start a weekend warrior job and just go get, a career somewhere else because that's that's what you're interested in is having a profession hardcore shouldn't necessarily be a profession i understand that it can take you there and there's nothing wrong with it at all but if that's your sole purpose for starting a band i don't really understand that oh amen brother and i i also think um hardcore is one of the few genres where bands can still function and you see still function in their later stages of their career. You know, Agnostic Front, sick of it all. All of these bands, I know they're probably, some would say they're on the bigger scale of things with no notoriety and popularity, but you can, in hardcore, still go into your later years. You just have to have the passion and the drive for it. And like you said, yeah. that's that's the essential thing that you need. You need to be looking at it for the right reasons, not for the monetary reasons. Exactly. It, it, that's exactly right. And, you know, like, like you said, with Agnostic Front and stuff like that, like those dudes started those bands because on the Lower East Side, it was those drug addicts and poverty and homelessness. And these dudes all come from troubled backgrounds that fell into punk and they started a band together at a super young age. When they started that band, I don't think that one could say that they started that band with the intention of having that be their career they were just a bunch of excuse my language there were a bunch of fuck-ups that wanted to play punk music because they were a product of their environment it just happened to work out for them and that's great and they are legends their influences and i cannot commend them enough on that but that that's a difference like we just said they didn't start a band and say hey you know like we should start this punk band so we can become famous and have that be our career. 
they started a punk band because that's what they fell into and that's just what they did. So let's come back into, you know, you had this kind of band going uh, during, you know, those 18-odd years of age and there's quite a time difference looking at the timeline. You know, you're saying this is around 2004, 2005 and from what I could find, uh, Purgatory started around 2011-ish. So what was the time frame to getting Purgatory started? Uh, so, I mean, in Sioux Falls, the, the band did its thing for a couple of years, but, you know, we were, it, it became a little bit of a, like a, re, a revolving door for members, a, in the sense that there was some guys that just weren't really interested in playing music anymore. And in, in Sioux Falls, we didn't have a platter of people to pick from to continue playing and we were also i mean we were a straight edge band and a lot of the guys that were in the band at the time they broke edge once you know they hit 21 which is that's that's a standard thing that happens or well i guess they were younger than 21 at that point but a lot lot of them broke edge and that that obviously wasn't going to be a thing there weren't there was nobody else in sioux falls that i could that I could ask to play in this straight edge band. So, I mean, we, we pretty much just called it a day and I was traveling a lot at that time. And I had moved out to, to Oregon for a little while with a friend and I was, I was kind of just living on the road. Um, I was a little bit of a nomad for a while, just going as I please and staying where I please. So that's that's ultimately why that band in Sioux Falls just wasn't a thing anymore. It just kind of went our separate ways. And I still talk to some of those dudes like everyone's in a very, very, very great while. And there was no, no hard feelings or anything like that. Um, but I eventually ended up moving down to Nebraska from South Dakota. And there was another friend of mine from South Dakota out in the, the Black Hills area who was living in Nebraska at that time as well. And used to be an old band. They were called Vandalized at the time. They Their singer moved away, and they, they asked me to sing for the band after he left. I said, yeah, it's cool. You know, like, I'll, I'll sing for the band. I was like, but I'm rewriting your lyrics because they're not good. And we, we're going to add a second guitar player and kind of rework some of the songs. And uh, I think we played one show where we played some of those vandalized songs. But we wrote new music pretty quick. And I was like, yo, like, I, I don't. We obviously have a new band. I'm not going to. I don't want to call the band vandalized anymore. Let's just start something else. So we ended up coming up with, with Purgatory, and um, we wrote our, our demo, Hell on Earth, in late 2011. I can't remember the exact timeline, but that was, yeah, that was in 2011. We have a, it was our first demo. It was called Hell on Earth, and I think there was five songs on it, if I remember right. So that's, that's how that band came in, into fruition. It was another thing that had already existed. So the members were already there. And then we just basically scrapped all of the old stuff and just completely wrote new things and just started as a whole new band. And you obviously 
started making music that, you know, not to say the previous band wasn't what you wanted, but, you know, you mentioned all the bands that you were heavily into. You know, you obviously Purgatory started to give you that outlet that was what you were into because, you know, I was trying to think how would I describe the band and I would say it's like Biohazard, Hatebreed, Marauder, Dying Fetus, All Out War and just beat beat you to a senseless pulp music basically yeah and that's i mean you can't you can't hit the nail on the head any better that's i am um a massive marauder fan like i fucking love marauder and a lot of the things on the demo which it's, it's kind of hard to come by um i don't even know if you can find it online anywhere but i I wrote a fair amount of the stuff in the demo because I play a little bit of guitar too, but it's, it's just a lot of just straight down picking the whole time, just in the, in the style of master killer and things like that, where the song is just cruising the whole way through. We just kind of added our own style into a little bit. I mean, all the bands that, that you just referenced was all influences right from the get go on stuff that we were playing. You were also from the get go. Now I don't know how you were lyrically with the other band, but you're a band that the reason I find refreshing is I'm not saying there's not other bands that lyrically touch on what you touch on, but you know, you you're pissed off and you're angry, which is for me it's kind of an essential tick. There's a box ticked there. I don't want Sure. I don't want lullabies, basically. Um <laughs> right, right. I right. don't I don't come to heavy music to be serenaded. I think that's a bit fucking weird. Um, yeah. But it, it's heavy, heavy as hell, but it's honest and blunt with the honesty. And I'm talking about, you know, you you talk about the justice system, uh, the corrupt politicians, you talk about abuse, religion, addiction. Was this always from the onset something that you wanted to put into the music? Definitely. Um, I think that, I think that hardcore should always be honest and always be real, whether you're on the negative spectrum or the positive spectrum. Um, I don't really listen to like quote unquote positive hardcore. Uh, but I mean, I will say like in the very, very first installment of purgatory, I, I wouldn't say that that was really captured with the stuff that I sang about originally, when we first started, it was a little more of like singing songs that had a purpose, but the, the, the words just sounded cool, I guess. Um, and after, I mean, after a little bit of playing that stuff, it was like, man, like this just, I don't, we might as well just start like a metal band where we can just fantasize the things that, that we sing about, you know, and it's, it got it got boring for me. Um, so I was like, I'm not I'm not singing about the shit that I actually want to sing about. I'm just singing words that sound fucking cool right now, and that's really lame. And there's there's plenty of bands that that do that, but they kind of you have to sprinkle that in and out. And you know, like like early Harm's Way stuff. Like I love early Harm's Way, but if you listen to some of the stuff that he's singing, it's like okay, like this isn't personal. It just sounds really cool. I, I might be wrong, but that's what I gather from it. And after a while, you 
you either have to fully invest yourself in being that kind of band, which is what I did not want to do. So with, with our next EP, I found a way on that anyways to channel singing words that sounded sick and they sounded hard and they sounded cool, but I was conveying a message. And then that just spawned over time more and more into me just being a lot more direct and a lot more personal. It's, I think, you know, I think without blowing smoke up your ass, I think it's quite important. I think where, you know, I think sometimes we forget that the world is a, a dark, shitty, fucking ugly place. And yes. I think people forget that. And I like music that has a message and a purpose, and that's clearly what you have. Do you feel like sometimes, especially in hardcore, that the message is forgotten about and put into the wayside and other things are deemed more important? I, I do in the sense that there's a lot of bands um, now. Like the, the, the exposure of hardcore is so much bigger now than it was when I was younger or even when Purgatory first started. So if you're in a hardcore band now, <laughs> there's this big, big thing about dudes out there that want to kind of act hard and almost like fake the funk and sing about stuff that they would never do or act on in real life. And you're, you're not, you're not conveying a message. You're just writing music just to sound and look hard. And I think that's equally as whack as being in, in a hardcore band and just singing about nothing personal at all. Like hardcore is the realest form of music that exists. And when people out there stray away from that realness and just sing about God knows what for who fucking knows why, yeah, it gets under my skin. Like I I've seen and played with plenty of bands where there's dudes strutting around, uh, around on stage, you know, acting like they're like a mover and a shaker, like they can handle their business, but they're like the softest dudes in the world. And that's, that's the same thing. Like why you're, you're portraying a fake message. I would rather that you just portray no message at all than pretend to be something that you're not. Mm, yeah, oh yeah. Amen. Amen. It's it's kind of a thing, you know, we'll come back to early years because we're kind of like on a little tangent here. So one, one thing I want to ask is you're a band that never mints your words. You know, you might have on the early demos, but now you don't mince your words. And I think that's commendable and I think it kind of lets people know what they're getting into before they listen to it. Do you think um, and how do you react to people that maybe prejudge a purgatory track or album before actually giving it a go just because they know that you speak the truth? I don't, it, that's hard to say. It's like, if, if what I say is going to bother you or it's not something that you're interested in hearing, like, I think that you live in like a fantasy side of, of hardcore and you want to perceive reality is what you want it to be rather than what it really is. And yeah, I, I'm going to sing about the things that I, that I want to sing about. Like I've, you know, we've had a review before where 
the the person that that reviewed i think it was on cold side basically said like it was somewhat generic like how many different ways can you be pissed off about the same thing and it's like you can find something every fucking single day of the year that pisses you off and there's nothing wrong with that at all it doesn't matter if it's the same thing like just because something happens once in your life doesn't mean it's not going to happen again so yeah i i sing about stuff that pisses me off all of the time and if if you don't want to hear it or if you're not interested like that's fine that that's okay but what the fuck are you involved in hardcore for then like there's another band that's going to be singing about something similar so it's either that you just you don't like my band which is okay but as far as somebody prejudging it and just not wanting to listen to it because they know that there's going to be some real shit happening just drop out and fucking go find another form of music because if you're not going to be interested in hardcore that's singing about real stuff why are you involved in this genre of music at all yeah, I think hardcore needs to be relevant, and the only way it can stay relevant is talking about what's going on around them, the world. You you know you're not yeah. you're not relevant talking about um, some fake things like you said, you know, and you can't be relevant just singing about heartbreak or positive stuff all the time. It needs to be reality check, and reality check is it's a fucking dark world, man. So yeah, and if you're not into it. You're into it for the wrong reasons. It needs to be relevant. Yep. I I agree. I definitely agree. There's, it's okay to tell people to to try and focus on positive things and don't be negative all the time. But if you are just being naive and ignoring the negative things that are happening around you and every single facet of your life, because like you said, the world is a fucking really shitty place. Uh you're you're just being ignorant at that point. Surely, at the moment, you're, you know, in a way, spoiled for fucking choice going into the, the new album. You surely had too much to possibly write about. Yeah, I. that's unfortunate. Because um, I, I, nobody necessarily wants the world to be a negative place. Um, I, I believe in a, in a dog-eat-dog world. I think that whatever somebody has they they should earn um and there's there shouldn't be a participation trophy for life just because you're you're living in the world but at at the same note there are so many fucking horrible things that just happen all of the time and that's the that is an unfortunate thing about being involved in hardcore is we're involved with it maybe I don't want to say more than somebody else but we're aware of it a lot more because that's part of our lifestyle it's being aware of the shitty things that are going on and taking note of it and not just ignoring it and turning a blind eye to it and living an ignorant lifestyle where you know you're like a college frat kid who's you know, I, I'm just gonna get give a, a scenario here. Say you're you're say you're a, a college girl or a college frat kid, and you're a fucking alcoholic, and maybe you're out there date raping girls. I know it's pretty pretty intense, but your mom is at home getting plastered. Your dad's cheating on your fucking mom. Like you're or or he's a you know he's an alcoholic at the bar. Or your mom's got a pill problem or something. And instead of letting that 
anger you and frustrate you and want to make a change in your life, you, you let it influence your decisions and you just continue living your life and infecting the fucking world instead of doing something to raise awareness about the shit that we actually have to deal with. You know, mm-hmm. we, it, it, it is, it is unfortunate that we know people that may have OD'd from drugs or been shot or been killed or, or on, on the really, really shitty side of things, been sexually assaulted or whatever, like, all of that stuff is really terrible, but we are aware of it and we take note of it and we don't just turn away from it and ignore it and act like act like it's not a thing because it is a fucking thing and it happens all of the goddamn time. Oh, perfectly said, man. Look, yes. And, I, and one thing you said that I want to end it on is everyone sitting at home, you know, being, you know, on the late end of my 30s, when I grew up, I didn't get a trophy for participating in a sporting event if I lost. And now I hear that kids, which I just don't understand, it's setting up for a wrong generation and a wrong mentality. Even if you get fourth out of a five-team tournament, they give you a trophy for coming fourth. Yeah, it's fucking asinine. What the fuck is that? Like, oh, well done. You you played the event. That's not how it fucking works. Unfortunately... Winners are winners and losers are losers, and that's how the system works. Don't celebrate losing. It doesn't make sense. Fuck. Yeah, this, and it's I I don't I don't understand it, and it's also you know there's there's nothing there's fucking nothing wrong with losing. Like mm-hmm. like you said, you don't have to reward them and say you know it's okay. Like here's a trophy. You fucking got last place, but we don't <laughs> want you to feel shitty. So here, have this. That's that's a big big problem in society nowadays and it does fucking drive me crazy because there's no there's no reason for it and i i'm gonna get flack for this and i don't give a fuck but i i lift weights and i like loud cars and i work a manual labor job and i fucking play aggressive music and for all intents and purposes i like being a fucking man and that's also very frowned upon these days because the second that i say anything that i'm into it's labeled as being toxic masculine by somebody else. Fuck off. Oh, unfortunately, we're in 2021. We uh, can't have an opinion and you can't live your life how you live your life, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> I agree. So for everyone listening, we are going to get back to music talk, but that was a, a highlight for me. I really wanted to talk about all of that. So thank you, Matt. I really wanted to touch on those topics. Very important to me and most of our listener base. So I'm glad. Um, Let's get back to the early releases and early years of Purgatory. You know, you mentioned Demo and then there was Rabid Visions, the EP around 2013, and then Gospel of War in 2015. What were the early years like for the band with growth and gigs? Was it... Was it really a grind for you guys in the early years or were you finding that you were kind of making an imprint and making an impression at the right time to the right people? I, I'm always going to say that it was a grind. Um, Nebraska didn't have the strongest hardcore scene. Um, you, you were you were hard fit to play local and have, have a big turnout. I lucked out because, or I should say purgatory lucked out because I was a bouncer at a club for years. And I was able to connect with kids in the other scenes. And 
I don't want to say we became friends because that's, that's a little too nice of a turn, but we, we became respect, respectful of each other's genres, like metalcore kids and deathcore kids. So those kids in turn started coming out to purgatory shows and that did help for a long time. But from, so, and there was also a gap from 2011 to 2013 where we didn't put music out because we actually broke up for a while oh. and, and, uh, that we just there's there was dudes that like we did started getting a little bit of a buzz after we put our, our first demo out and we were getting show offers and it, it takes work being in a band takes work and it's nothing against the other dudes but that work ethic was kind of disappearing so it's like well we're getting fucking show offers and we're not playing shows or we're getting shows and we're dropping them and we basically were just like, well, I mean, this just isn't going to be a thing anymore. But uh, my my buddy from South Dakota that I talked about earlier, him and I were in contact. And he was like, yo, I play drums. Like, let's let's get the band going again. And so we linked up. And then when we put Rabbit Visions out, that kind of kickstarted things again. We were playing local shows a lot again, uh, traveling over to iowa which is only about hour and a half two hours away um so we we built up a little bit of a buzz within the midwest just playing local shows and at that time expire was a relatively new fresh band um another mistake some of these other bands like there was a man called black ice and uh, our bands, Bent Life at that time, all of us were playing shows together and representing our tiny little area of the Midwest. And so it helped draw a buzz on a lot of these bands. Expire and Bent Life, obviously, they, they took off and, and went. They, they achieved some fame and success right away um, by being able to tour constantly. And that's, I mean respect to them because they they did help draw a lot of attention to our areas for people that are going to be like what there's fucking hardcore in nebraska you're full of shit you know um but we we were building up a strong local following and then we worked our ass off to write gospel of war and that that record definitely catapulted things for us um we played we played midwest blood fest when that when it was still called midwest blood fest not that long after the record came out and our response was crazy. We had a, a very, and still have a very, very strong following in Des Moines, Iowa. And those kids are fucking animals there. So like we would play there and it would just be nuts. And that helped circulate more buzz. And it was, it was just kind of hammering out some of those areas going up to Milwaukee. We play in Milwaukee and those shows were fucking crazy. So bouncing back and forth between those areas and just getting a strong front right here directly in the Midwest and in Indiana where I live now, because I, I wasn't living in Indiana at that time. We were still in Nebraska and just 2014, but definitely into 2015 things. That's when things really just took a spike for us. Um, yeah, it was, it was really just grinding out the Midwest and then, heading east or west when we were fit to do so well you uh you guys have the the right 
hardcore mentality, which is also the DIY work your ass off because if you work your ass off, everything you gain from then on, you have gained through hard work. Nothing's right. going to come to you given on a platter. you got to put in the yards. Yes, absolutely. So obviously around Gospel of War time, is, is that when you started to gain the attention of Unbeaten Records? Like, was it around that time that they heard of you and spoke to you, or did you approach them about linking up? Because that's quite a quite a big step for you guys, I feel, to get out to more of an international listening base and probably more parts of America and of Europe. You know, how'd that link up come about? So we had uh, Michael Phillips over at Escapist Records put out Gospel of War, and he like his his roster was full he didn't want to do anything we got in contact with him because there was a couple bands on his label at that time that we really liked um and he was like yo this stuff is fucking awesome like i didn't i didn't want to put anything else out but i want to put a record out for you guys because you dudes are sick and having being a small band that had been grinding for that point at like four years and finally having a physical copy of our music come out on vinyl made everybody in the Midwest excited because we were a little bit of that underdog band and we were everyone else that was coming to our shows. They were just as invested in us as we were in our own band. So it felt like a win for everybody. So when that vinyl came out and then we shot that video for death pull, like it was like we were, carrying the torch for the underground scene of our area of the Midwest because we weren't on a massive scale yet. And that, that created buzz. We took no victory out on tour, um, who was also on unbeaten. We took them out in 2015 and became friends and unbeaten was an upstart at that time. And buddy hit me up in, I want to say it was like, late 2015 maybe early 2016 and it was just he just texted me uh he got my number from from brian from no victory who's who also plays guitar in my band and was like yo i love the stuff um you guys fucking are awesome heard nothing but good things for you about you keep in touch you know so i was like holy fuck like this dude is in stigmata who is also a big influence on our band and he's telling me that he likes our record uh that i was like this is crazy and then we kind of got to talking and in 2016 he was like how do you how do you feel about signing with us you know and i mean it, it was literally a no-brainer yeah i hit up the group chat and was like buddy from stigmata wants to sign us on beaten everybody's like let's fucking go you know and we um since we had just put out gospel of war it hadn't been, been out for like a full year yet we didn't want to write a new record at that time but we went through some some lineup changes again we, we i backtracking a little bit we've been a revolving door for members just because either dudes move they don't want to tour they don't want to put in the work or you know or we just don't like them and they get kicked out whatever uh so we had rec recruited uh josh who plays guitar and so this would have been in 2016 he lived out in arizona and him and we went on tour with that band Liar's Tongue that was around for a little bit. Mm -hmm. He was in that band. 
And when we met up on that tour, like we were just going over our musical influences and we were like, holy fuck, we like all the same stuff. He really liked Purgatory at that time. And we just we just stay in touch. And I was like, yo, you should play for us. And he was like, I'm fucking down. How is this going to work? Do I live in Arizona? And I was like, we'll just write stuff uh, back and forth because I was still writing for the band a little bit. And I'm kind of jumping forward a little bit here, but we we wanted to play in standard for a long time and write things that were a little more closer to the sound that we have now. But the the tools that we had in Nebraska at that time just weren't happening. Um, our, our old guitar player, who was, I mean, he was a key part of the band for a long time. He was going through just a lot of bad personal stuff and he couldn't allow himself to be committed for reasons beyond his control. So that, that took a dive with his, his writing and his commitment to the band. And I I know that it's nothing that he wanted to happen, but it did and that kind of opened the door for Josh to come in. And I told Josh, you you have my style and I had your style. So just take the reins on writing and we'll collaborate shit back and forth. And that opened the door for us to put out Beg for Life, Pray for Death, which we intertwined with our label announcement for Unbeaten. So we we kind of planned it all to fall into place at the same time. Because if you go back and look at the news, when we announced that we signed with Unbeaten, we dropped Pray for Death, uh, Beg for Life, Pray for Death uh, on the same announcement. And it was kind of like the, this is the, the quote-unquote new purgatory. This is the direction that we've slowly been heading in. This is what we have planned. So you're either still going to ride with us or you're not, but this is what we're fucking doing. Oh, and it, it was a great announcement. And then I remember the the buzz and the excitement around Cold Side of Reality in 2018 was exceptional. Like, as that's probably an understatement. You know, the the reason the, you know when you're doing something right when peers in the community, in other bands, no matter where in the country they're from, are sharing it. Um, everyone's talking about it. You know. It seemed to, out of nowhere, I feel like the name started spreading more based off Cold Side of Reality. Definitely. That's that's definitely true. And at that time, we were getting like some pretty decent tours, too. Um, you know, we did that tour with Lifeless and Cruel Hand, which was like, I mean, that was just like a massive, massive notch on our, on our roster for touring because we've been going so hard for so long. And that was very close to the same time that we were writing for cold side. So we got a lot of buzz with the touring. And then, yeah, like you said, people, people were excited for that record to come out and it's still, still to this day, it's, it's just very humbling. We're not a band that expects anything. So when anybody gets excited for our stuff to come out, like it, it literally means the world to us. It's hardcore is not a competition. It, Mm. It gets treated that way sometimes, but we write the music that we want to write. And if people are into it, like the, the gratitude for that is it's just undying. Like we are eternally grateful for that. And it's the, it's the coolest shit in the world. 
it's just a such a massive bonus when it's somebody that's in a band that you like or somebody that you may look up to to a degree um yeah it's it's it was cool as fuck man like it's just still so cool to think about I think it, it, it's epic to see and it's rewarding for you guys understandably too. And, you know, that comes out, the tours keep building and building and then, you know, kind of everything hits a bit of pause for a while. I know there was section 219 in there as well, but, you know, things get on pause because of just chaos around the world. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because you guys clearly took advantage or made most of the time that things have been on pause because you've got an album coming out April 9th, Lawless to Grave. Tell, talk us and the listeners through, you know, did you have a lot planned last year that you couldn't do? And then secondly, you know, some bands have decided not to put out music when they can't tour. Why did you decide to, doesn't matter, we've got to record, we've got to get something out? So, um, we've been, we've been steadily releasing stuff. This band never stops. Like we've, we did our, our first demo in 2011 and from 2013 through right now, we've put out some sort of release or split or single basically every single year. So we are, we're constantly putting music out and when we wrote Back to Life, Pray for Death, it, it a lot of people were taken back from it because while it has the elements of Gospel of War, people were like, this this is like just, it was such a step up. And Cold Side, touching base, touching base on Cold Side just very briefly, we wrote that, that whole record in a weekend. And that's, I still love that record but it's apples to oranges compared to what we're about to put out. Like there's, it's just an earth. It's a night and day difference. Like we, we were able to write lawless to grave over basically a year and a half. Um, and, and the reason that we put out section two one nine and we did the split with no victory is so we could continue progressing our writing style. Because if we if we hadn't released little things in between there and we drop Lawless to Grave, it's gonna be like, okay, this doesn't sound anything like Cold Side, and Cold Side doesn't sound anything like Beg for Light, Pray for Death. Um, but there's we still keep the same elements of Purgatory that we've had since 2011, but we've just gone up like talent wise, skill wise, maturity wise, as a band. We didn't we didn't say stagnant. We get shit all the time where people want another, another gospel of war and it's like yo like grow up and get with the fucking times we're not going to put out another gospel of war i'm if i go back and listen to that record compared to what we do now it's like i can't listen to this those songs are so cool they're still good but that's that's not us anymore we have matured past that but we we started writing lawless to grave because we had planned on recording early last year so we could have got the record out by the end of 2020 because it would have been two years since we since our last full length which you know a lot of people are like oh it's not that long because there's fans that go like five years without putting music out 
we've we've been grinding so hard for so long that it's ingrained in our brains we got to keep moving you know we don't we can't survive off of hype it's the right attitude man like you know it as as a, a lover and consumer of music i want i want my favorite bands the bands i love to release more music whether it's a two track like you said or a split whatever it is i need music um especially in the time frame for younger generations i think attention spans have got shorter so if bands like yourselves aren't putting out something for them to consume you don't want them to forget about you it's not to say that they will but there's the risk with all of that shit on spotify now they can just find a new band from lithuania that they've never heard of and they become a fan of that's 100% right, and that's the exact attitude that I have. And that's what I'm saying. We can't survive off of hype alone. I'm not saying that if we were from, like, New York or L.A. that we would be bigger than we are now. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but those bands historically have such larger, more involved hardcore scenes that it's it's easier to put a record out and be able to survive off it for a while I'm not saying that the records are bad or that they don't don't deserve it. It's just easier. And I've I've had friends from the East Coast explain to us like, you guys are a fucking great band. Uh, but when you put music out, a lot of people are like, yeah, they're sick, but they're not from here, so like, it doesn't get the same love necessarily. And it's it's okay, like. Uh, it used to really, really bother me for a while, but we're going to do our fucking thing no matter what. And that's part of the reason why we decided to put the record out. Like we, we started writing the songs like a year and a half ago and, uh, no one gets out alive was actually the first song that, that we wrote, but it sounded entirely different. We scrapped probably a whole entire, another record worth of material. And we we rewrote a lot of songs because we had the time to really be the band that we want to be. That was a downfall of Coldside. We since we all lived in, in different states at that time as well. And some of the old members were in other bands like Adam, who used to play Jones for us. He sings for Orthodox. Orthodox would be on the road a lot, too. And we just didn't have the time to commit to writing what we wanted. And Jake, our old guitar player, good guitar player, good dude, but he was still relatively new. So his chops weren't there to be able to write the stuff that we're able to write now. That's why when Brian switched from bass to guitar, I was like, we have a fucking perfect storm right now because we all listen to the same stuff. We have cultured... Um, dudes who have been playing music for they're they're educated dudes they've been playing music for so long that they that they get it so when we bounce ideas back and forth everybody knows what everybody is talking about and we can just sit there and just fucking write riffs after riff after riff and i'm not saying that it's like we can pick and choose what we want but we're able to work with so much more now it's going to be i think listeners probably don't understand this is going to be exciting um yeah i've already heard the preview and yeah look you just need to consume it like you know just stream the fuck out of it just whatever it takes um indulge yourself in some uh slaps across the face 
with a with, with a <laughs> right. with a sick riff. Um, the 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 guitar work on this feels <sighs> spicy. Um, you know, it's a question I had with the um, the upcoming album was we've spoken about your lyrical uh, insight and all of this stuff. What do you hope listeners get from this album uh, when they hear it, or do you just hope that they just experience it for what it is? I I hope that I, I don't want people to feel good when they listen to it right off the bat as weird as that sounds because there's a lot of shit on this record that's like it's kind of hard to swallow and if you if you actually pay attention to the stuff that i'm singing about and not just taking it for for face value because i don't sing about like tough guy bullshit anymore yeah some of the stuff sounds hard but it's it's personal stuff like a perfect example is Josh had told me a long time ago that some dudes were kind of making fun of like the, the opening lines in the song cold side. Cause I talk about being face to face with the 45 and they're like, Oh, you know, he's just saying about fucking shooting people. No, that whole opening of that song is about me getting robbed at gunpoint and just accepting it for what it is because that's, that's life. Um, like you talked about before, I don't want people to take things at face value. Just pay attention to what I'm saying because there's things in here that resonate with everyone. And it's going to make you feel like shit at first because some of it's dark and some of it is very fucking depressing and it's angering, but you can relate to it. Everybody can relate to one song on this record. I guarantee that because we sing about reality and everybody that's truly involved in hardcore, we all face similar realities. So just listen to it and pay attention, pay attention to it. And as it, it, corny as it sounds, just lose yourself in everything that's happening and understand that you're not alone with the things that you've seen or feel. You have to remember that there's so many more of us out here dealing with the same shit. We all have each other. So just pay attention to it and just understand that. Fuck yeah. Um, I will, when when this goes up, everyone knows that if there's an album coming out, I will mention several times either side of this interview when it comes out, but I've got to mention it while I can remember it. Lawless to the Grave, April 9th. April 9th, Unbeaten Records. Now, Matt... I've held you a little bit over time, but before, no I, before I let you go, I have to do the segment that 150 odd guests have had, and it's called Pick okay. Your Poison. It's called Pick Your Poison, okay? And okay. Basically, it's a a way to find out that if we're going to hang out for the day, what kind of things are we going to get up to? And you get a choice of two options. You say the one you'd go with, go with. And you don't need to justify your answer, but if you want to justify it and explain the reasoning behind it, go for it. Okay. Okay. Pizza or a burger? Burger. Okay. Ribs or brisket? Ooh, ribs all day. Chicken or beef? Beef. Uh, Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Mm. Probably going to have to go with Chinese. I'm not versed enough in Indian food, even though it's not bad, but I'm going to go with Chinese. Smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Smooth. 
cup of coffee or a cup of tea? Probably a cup of coffee. Um, are you going to have a meal at home or would you rather have a meal out at a restaurant? <sighs> hmm. <laughs> Honestly, take this for what it is. If my wife is cooking, I'm going to eat at home. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Um, new movie comes out. Go to the cinema. Wait to watch it on the couch. Go to the theater for sure. Uh, now, I know you get a bit of kind of uh, weather there. So spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go and spend the day in the snow because I know nobody else is going to be out. <laughs> hey, that's a great answer. Um, cat or dog? Dog. Yeah, I heard him. What kind of dog you got? I have, I have two dogs. Uh, one is a Frost. He is a three-quarter pit, one-quarter beagle. Oh. And my other pup, Elvira, we're not totally sure what she is. She's just uh, about 34 pounds of solid mass with a chihuahua <laughs> temperament. <laughs> yeah, we've got three dogs, and yeah, we've got a 34-pound one who's... Uh, the biggest wimp in the world like okay. yeah. yeah like sh- she's a a um english staffy and as soon as she sees okay. a, as soon as she sees a fly she freaks out man like yeah. people look at her and go gosh she's fierce no nah, she's not she's fucking scared of everything <laughs> right um yeah okay terminator or predator terminator rambo or rocky oh man oh I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Rocky. Okay. Freddie or Jason? Man, these are tough. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Jason. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Uh Lord of Rings or Game of Thrones? Lord of the Rings. South Park or Simpsons? Uh, Simpsons. Anchorman or Step Brothers? Step Brothers. Slayer or Pantera? Oh, man, Slayer. Uh, Dying Fetus or Death? Uh, I will have to go with Death on that one. That's a tough one, but I'm going to go with Death. Okay. Uh, Anthrax or Testament? Testament. Terra or Madball? Oh, man. I'm going to go with Terror because they have more records that I like. Mm, good answer. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Terror on that one. Um, agnostic Front or Sick of It All? Agnostic Front. Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Cannibal Corpse all day. Crowbar or I Hate God? Crowbar. We used to cover like Broken Glass. Oh, tune. Mate, that is a tune. Um, Two left on the music ones and then we've got the last few. Corn or Limp Bizkit? Corn. Slipknot or Machine Head? Slipknot. Rob Flynn is a bitch. 
Yeah, a lot of people say that. If you're listening out there, Rob, come on the show and argue that point. I'd love to. Um, he'd never be listening. I doubt it. Um, you're playing a show. Do you want stage dives happening or mic grabs happening? Stage dives. I don't know. I really like people singing along, though. No, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with mic grabs. I want people singing along. Nice. Um, you're gonna go to a show, and are you gonna watch it from the pit? Or by the sound desk? The pit. Now, the second last one, you technically can't have one without the other, but let's imagine they can exist in their own right without the other one. Would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life? I'm going to say, man... Probably, hmm. I'm going to say record music for the rest of my life. Okay, nice, nice. Last one. Now, I'm going to give you your all-time favorite album, and it's going to come in one of three formats. Would you like it on CD, would you like it on vinyl, or would you like it on your phone? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna have to say my phone because I can bring that anywhere. It is, man. Like no more need for discmans. Like all of this shit. Like don't need it anymore. Vinyl is cool. I have a lot of vinyl, but I don't collect vinyl. So, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna definitely go with a streaming platform. It's just easier, more convenient. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt, uh, first thing, a lot of love, a lot of respect, and a lot of appreciation for you not only having the time, putting the time aside, but also just giving a great fucking conversation, man. That was hit a lot of marks I wanted, achieved marks I didn't expect. Um, Fucking A-game you brought, man. I really, really appreciate this. No, thank you, Jeremy. I mean, that that was awesome. This was super fun, and the questions were fucking awesome. So, Really appreciate this. Look, down the line... I'd love to do a part two. Um, sure, we can hit on some other things, other topics. Uh, but yeah, look, as a fan and just and for the show, it means the world. And I really appreciate this, dude. Definitely. I appreciate it too. Thank you for giving me the time. Anytime, man. And uh, But uh, you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. And I look forward to part two. I would love to make that happen. Oh, let's, I'll, I'll stay in touch, man. We'll definitely get it done. Perfect. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, man. All right, later, brother.
So that was my chat with Matt of Purgatory. And at the end there, the first track you heard was No Bastard Slave. The second track was called Sincerely Yours. Both of those are from the band's album Cold Side of Reality. And the last track you heard was Death Toll, which is from the EP Gospel of War. Now's a bit of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the conversation or you enjoyed the music at the end there, now's your chance. Get online, stream it, download it, consume the fuck out of that music. If you're into physicals, get online, get a CD, get a vinyl. And lastly, if you love a bit of merch, make sure you grab a t-shirt, a hoodie or some shorts. I have to take this moment to thank Matt again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. I'll stay in touch. We'll do a part two soon. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone, episode 152. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. 
Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.